Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Thanks for listening and being a part of the Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, I've got some good news for you because in about an hour from now, when I leave you in the capable hands of my colleagues, you'll be in the hands once again of the fearless Dean Macken. He'll be taking over for an hour after I've finished off. Uh, So Dean Macken is on after myself. Then he'll be followed by Lembit Opik, who will be followed by the very ungraceful but extremely effective Katie Hopkins, Katie Hopkins returns. She's broadcasting, of course, from the UK. She's been uh, around the world doing all sorts of other commitments in the last couple of months, but she returns to the airwaves soon after Lembit Opik, um, which is after Dean, which is after me, if you know what I mean. So we're looking forward to all of that. Gee, I tell you what, there's plenty to tell you. Um, Police have warned that, they need to be there needs to be elevated vigilance for this year's christmas tree lighting ceremony at the rockefeller center according to an internal nypd memo obtained by the new york post apparently pro-palestinian protesters announced to their cohort that they plan to flood the iconic event in support of gaza which is an interesting choice of event. The memo notes that there are no specific or credible threats targeting the world-renowned annual event, which is expected to draw tens of thousands of revelers to Midtown on Wednesday. So this is tomorrow. But the threat evaluation notice pointed out that mass gatherings and high-profile events such as this ceremony, hosted this year by singer Kelly Clarkson, could be easy targets for malicious actors Uh, looking to do harm during the holiday season. So there you have it. That seems to be a uh, significant concern for New York police, and understandably so. Uh, Understandably so. Now, one of the biggest stories to rock Parliament House in Canberra, in Sydney, uh, in Canberra, in Australia, Uh, in the last four years has got to be the rape allegations from inside the house. And these featured a victim allegedly by the name of Brittany Higgins. Now, the so-called accused has never been convicted of such a crime, but there's now a major defamation court case going on, which Bruce Learman, the accused, has created by taking a television station to court. Well, today, his accuser, Brittany Higgins, appeared in the witness box. And I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what she said. Higgins has revealed in court today her shock and distress at learning from a male colleague that she had been found naked in the ministerial office and the moment he bluntly asked, were you raped? Ms. Higgins is giving evidence in the defamation trial brought by Bruce Learman. The federal court has heard that she had a conversation with a male colleague called Chris Payne who asked her if she was okay and wondered if this was about the weekend. 
Miss Higgins said he could tell I'd been upset for the past couple of days, and I think he just pulled me aside to check in. He told me that I had been found naked in the middle of the night at Parliament House, and I didn't know that information before. So to me, I was shocked. I was upset. And then he asked me, he was the first person to say, and he point blank asked me, were you raped? And I cried and I said, yes. And of course, most people would look at that and say, hang on a second. You didn't know you were found in an office naked, but you were able to tell a colleague that you were raped. How does that fit? She was asked about messages she exchanged with her then Chief of Staff, Fiona Brown, in Defence Industry, Linda Reynolds' office. Hi, Fiona. Sorry, I missed your call. I'm doing fine. Just vocalising things in such a way is quite confronting, Higgins wrote. During her evidence, Channel 10's barrister, Dr Matt Collins, KC, asked, what did you mean by vocalising things in such a way? The fact that I told her I didn't say rape, but the fact that I told her I'd been assaulted and that Bruce assaulted me. It was just me stating to her it was confronting. The fact that I had to tell her in person, it was overwhelming. Miss Higgins confirmed she did not use the word rape in her conversations with Miss Brown. Earlier, Miss Higgins told the federal court she eventually disclosed her alleged rape to ex-boyfriend Ben Dillaway. I told Ben that Friday didn't play out the way that I'd made it seem and that Bruce and I ended up back in the room and that I was really intoxicated. And I think I said something to the effect of I couldn't consent or I was too drunk to consent or something like that. So this is the same kind of evidence that didn't hold water in the earlier trial, but is now being used by Channel 10 to try and prove that she was raped. And this is what they've got to do to defeat the defamation trial brought on by Bruce Learman. They've got to prove truth. And this is a lot more difficult than any mere defamation case. We'll watch it closely on your behalf. This is TNT Radio. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, I've got the founder and director of Verve Communications. We won't muck around. We'll get straight down to business. Prue McSween, welcome to TNT Radio. Thanks, Smithy. What a fascinating and perplexing case you just alluded to. Yeah, very true. Um, Mm. To think that Channel 10 would have to prove truth in their defence is a real difficult assignment on their behalf because um, we've already had a trial and it didn't go in the favour of the accused. No, I think it's going to be fascinating just to see the outcome. Yeah. Anyway, I'm rooting for one of them, and I won't tell you which. Okay. Now, this doesn't sound right to me. Uh, Hundreds of Indigenous families, hundreds, are joining planned class actions across Australia, alleging racial discrimination by state authorities that took their children into care in the past two decades. This is being dubbed Stolen Generation Mark II. But unlike the 60s, Prue, there's been no sanctioned separation ordered by the state or the feds. Aren't these cases just the same as what occurs to dysfunctional and dangerous white families every single week around Australia? What's so perplexing and annoying to be and bewildering, Smithy, because if it was a white kid who was serially abused uh, sexually, violently, physically, they would, after a period of time, 
be found a safe place to be moved to, whether yeah. it be a relative or a foster home, for example. Yeah. In this case, if you're a little black child, who an Aboriginal child who is serially abused, then you're returned. You are returned to that environment, that home which has been proven to be unsafe. And these mindless do-gooders, and I call them child abusers, would rather see the child put in that position of harm rather than um, think that they should be placed in a home. Now, ideally, another Indigenous home, which has been proven to be safe, but if that is not the case, then it should be with a white family. And I just find that instead of having a class action against, you know, this whole thing about the stolen generation, Mark II, we should be mounting a class action on behalf of the little Indigenous children who are being neglected by state authorities and the legal system, kids who are returned time and again to this dangerous environment. And we can't deny this is happening. You know, this has been going on. There's something like, uh, I think, about 58 of a 1,000 Indigenous children in the state system now. And I have a contact who works in one of the regional centres. She's told me that these children, these Indigenous children, are being put into motel rooms. They're very, they have a supervisor who may only be able to, they're looking after maybe four or five kids. The kids are plonked in the motel room, watching television, ordering room service. And it's been going on. Some of these kids are in there for months. Really? I can tell you it's absolutely true. This person works in the system and she's horrified. It's costing the taxpayers a million dollars per child. And this is what's happening now. And we have these ridiculous do-gooders saying, acting and pretending they're on the side of these children? Give me a break. Didn't we have a referendum recently where it was thrown out because we had this division of race? And this is what's happening with little children? What kind of a country are we in? Yeah, and don't tell me the same thing's happening with white kids. Are we really putting white kids in... Uh, who come from disadvantaged and violent homes in local motels for a year? No, you can bet we aren't. We We'd be we finding not. foster homes. It's disgusting. Oh, that's just extraordinary that that mm. would occur. And you've got it on good I authority have it on that that great authority. But yes. but the but the idea that you should never ever take a child away from a dysfunctional or violent home because <laughs> of race is just. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, but this is what these people are complaining of. And, you know, this stolen generation, the first time, there was a lot wrong with it. There are a lot of kids who benefited from it too. True. But in, and in the end, you know, because 
this is so typical of Australia that we are so deluded and stupid that we can look at the past and say, well, that was then, there were things that were wrong about it, things that were right about it. But let's not deny these children natural justice and a secure future. Yeah, exactly. It's insane. It is insane. It is insane. Now, if you'd like to comment on any of that, especially if you're listening from Australia or even New Zealand, one 800 670 Well, the High Court's decision, Prue, to release these foreign criminal detainees has made, um, well, has been made worse because of the, the government's inaction and their, uh, I guess, inadequacies when it occurred. And because of the soft way they've applied their monitoring rules. We've got one detainee at large because he was uh, didn't want to wear a monitoring bracelet. And so the whoever was in charge of them said, oh, well, we won't force you to wear one. Um, we wouldn't want to make his ankle uncomfortable, would we? And now there's a court challenge to the government's monitoring rules. It's just a mess. They're using our money, taxpayer money, to keep these things go appeals going on. You know, we have this inept government that's been caught asleep at the wheel. They knew this was going to happen from June. They're scrambled. We had a, you know, a, an international traveller prime minister that wasn't focused on what his real job is. And we have we have this ridiculous situation where a high court took. Minutes, Smithy, to determine this. And then we hear now that the evidence is coming out that a couple of the judges thought, oh, well, maybe if they're going to be of any harm to the community, we should maybe consider, you know, amending the laws. So now they're scrambling to try and do that. Blind Freddie would know these people would be dangerous and, you know, putting the community at risk. So, you know, this whole episode is showing how how slack and net this government is and how stupid our system is in Australia. Yet another stupid system where we have the means, these laws in place where illegals can use our money to, to appeal after appeal to stay here. And then we have this Malaysian hitman who could be sent back, could be deported to Malaysia, but because some bleeding heart doesn't believe in, you know, the fact that this guy could be hanged if he went back for murdering this pregnant woman, well, I'm sorry, that's his problem. You yeah, know, but yeah. why are we allowing this to happen in this dumb country? Yeah, it makes us, it makes us look so dumb internationally. You're so right. I've got to take a break. We'll come back and talk more. There's plenty to talk about, including the Nazi salute, to ban it or not. We'll talk to Prue McSween right after a break on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media like Telegram who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Take us back in time, and who was Mike Flynn? 
He was the national security advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's gonna protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism, but the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give him the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, people will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com Our next steps to space. This time we go back to the moon to learn to live, to work, to invent, to create. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I've got Prue McSween with me. Prue, I just uh, want to give our listeners an update on what's happening right now in that federal court defamation hearing, uh, Higgins is in the witness box, Brittany Higgins, and she's saying, I thought I was going to go home. She said Learman told her he needed to stop at Parliament House and she didn't question it. She said she waited for him in the office for what felt like a long time, although it could have been just five minutes. Her next recollection was waking up in the ministerial suite of her boss, Linda Reynolds. She said, the first thing she remembered was a pain in my leg and realized Bruce was on top of me having sex with her. I told him no on a loop. I told him to stop. I couldn't scream for some reason, she said. She told the court her body felt waterlogged and heavy. Higgins said Learman left after the alleged assault, but she couldn't get up off the couch and passed out. She woke early in the morning in Reynolds' office with light coming through the blinds, she told the court, and was sick in her toilet. I knew what had happened, but I couldn't digest it yet. Higgins returned to the federal court in the witness box and is continuing to give evidence, and she has broken down in tears in the middle of giving that evidence. Let's get back to talking about other things. Uh, gee, the Chinese Communist Party, Prue, has made an art form out of 
diplomatic gaslighting, one of their senior officials is now warning our Navy to be careful where they're diving after a Chinese warship used its sonar, against warnings, mind you, and injured a group of Australian naval divers earlier this month. They just make it up as they go, don't they? They sure do. They failed to recognise and acknowledge these were international waters. We had every right to be there. But, of course, this is the problem. They've been policing these waters for so long and adopting them as their own. And so, consequently, they've been able to get away with it. I know that Australia, the Philippines, Japan, America, to an extent, have been testing that out, And but at the same time, there's not, they're all limp about it. This yeah. is a vital link to the, to the, to Europe and between the Pacific. And the fact that we again, our handsome boy, you know, is just so limp with them. He doesn't care about asserting himself because he's so besotted with the romancing that they've given him. And, you know, we've got this warning from this official that we should, uh, you know, use great prudence and that, you know, we did not, uh, they did nothing that harmed the sailors or sh ships. Well, ship, well, I'm sorry, they're deluded liars and we know they are. Yeah. And the fact is, they're just playing with us. We've allowed it to happen. We've even got the vice admiral of the of the navy, our navy, saying, "Oh, he hasn't lodged a complaint because he hasn't got got their phone number." Give me a break! Oh, <laughs> Dad's army. Um, that sounds like a primary school. We need about. It sounds China. like a primary school response a response for not getting your assignment in. Oh. Um, well, isn't it funny, Prue, how the vanquished? turn out to be valuable assets down the track. Former Liberal MP, now crossbench senator and alleged sexual harasser David Van, could give the Labor government the one vote it needs to get its industrial relations laws over the line. He is everything they need. And this reminds me, Prue, of the former Prime Minister Julius Gillard recruiting former House Speaker Peter Slipper. That's right. I mean, the hypocrisy of Labor knows no bounds. I mean, when you think about it, so they've recognised, they're smart in that they recognise that this this little flea senator that was unknown until he allegedly groped a couple of, uh, you know, his compatriots, uh, so he earned the nickname of Groper and he decided he was, you know, going to walk or he was told to walk, so then he became an independent. So suddenly he's a useful idiot and we have the mean girl, uh, Tanya Plibersek, who, of course, has used him. She's recognised. They're very cunning. They recognise, okay, the, this is a live one who can, you know, accommodate us because if we preen, appeal to his ego and make him now the man. So, of course, you have all the unionists waiting outside his door, all the Labor ministers coming in and sucking up to him. And I shouldn't use that term with the groper perhaps, but you know what I mean. Um, well, in the end, I mean, we have this situation where this guy is now valuable to them because he can vote with them. He can yeah. let their legislation through. So the IR legislation, this Murray-Darling uh, Basin legislation, and, you know, the hypocrisy of this woman, this minister, who was so adamant and about her condemnation of of the fact that the Liberals, you know, were so bad, uh, you know, ignoring this Higgins complaint. 
Uh, I mean, despite the fact that the Prime Minister gave her three million bucks, so it's hard to feel sorry for her. You know, it's just blatant and it just is so typical of the hypocrisy of the Labor Party. Yeah, they do it time and time again. They're better at it. Now, I I love watching the sheer hypocrisy of government laws. Uh, They sometimes make me laugh, but performing the Nazi salute will now become a criminal offence in Australia as the federal government seeks to counter rising outbreaks of anti-Semitism and racism. But it's okay if hordes of pro-Palestinian protesters call for the end to the Jewish state. Um, You can't make laws you already have no intention of policing. And so far, we haven't seen too much policing of some of the foul and vile catcalls that we've heard at pro-Palestinian rallies. It's all about the optics. Everything that Labor does is politically motivated. So in this case, they've seen the outrage, the fact that so many people of, in Australia, whether they're corporates or individuals, um, apart from the media, of course, are very anti, uh, pro the Israelis and anti this uh, anti-Semitic Semitic, um, movement, which is being fostered and accommodated by this government because they're not doing anything. Because we know that the Labor Party has... A, a more pro-Palestinian bent because most of their voters are Muslims. Um, so they want to have a bet each way. But, of course, they're, they're caught like rabbits in the headlights because, you know, they don't really want to condemn the Palestinians. They allow them to have these protests. They allow these disgraceful, uh, you know, uh, anti-Semitic posters and chants um to, to happen every week almost, every day it's happening. Yet when the Jews are having their protests, there's not an ounce of anything like uh, anti-Palestinian, of course, it's very respectful. But at the same time, you know, anybody who's ra- waving a Jewish flag anywhere near a Palestinian protest is set upon by the police. It's yeah. so disgraceful, so hypocritical, and no wonder anti-Semitism is growing in this country. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you don't police it, it will continue, it will fester. And, you know, you, you can't start coming up with laws against racism, etc. if you're not prepared to get your police forces and law enforcement to police them. It's just a waste of time. Talking about time, I've run out of it. Great to have you on the program as usual, Prue. Enjoy the rest of your week. You too, mate. I think it's going to pour here, so it's just as well we stopped. Rain (laughs) right across the east coast of Australia right now. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Good on you. Prue McSween from Verve Communications. Great to get her on the program as usual. We're right on news time. Let's go there right now on TNT Radio. TNT Radio News. What the f***? Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Sweden could become a full-fledged member of NATO within weeks after Turkey Air signalled it was ready to ratify the Nordic nation's accession. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has come under fire for failing to stand up for Australian soldiers following this month's run-in with a Chinese warship. And a new bombshell report has revealed the CIA has recovered at least nine UFOs, two of which are said to be completely intact. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 
365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk. This is TNT Radio. Yeah, big thunderstorms, as Prue mentioned, where she is in Newcastle, which is about an hour and a half north of Sydney, and thunderstorms coming through the Sydney metro area as well. But a massive rain band all across the east coast of Australia for those who would uh, like to have their weather forecast. Um, As I mentioned briefly yesterday, hundreds of prominent Australians, including former state premiers, industry leaders and media personalities, have signed an open letter denouncing anti-Semitism and calling for all Australians to be treated with respect, inclusivity and dignity. The open letter was published this week and ran as a huge double-page advertisement in newspapers. You couldn't miss it, linking to a website titled Say No to Anti-Semitism. It really is a loud statement against what has clearly been much more prominent and vocal public support for the Palestinian cause. I thought we'd speak with one of the organisers of the various Australian Jewish rallies and vigils that have been held around the country to pray for those slaughtered on October 7 and the safe return of the 240 hostages as well. Ofer Birenbaum was born and raised in Israel and his parents' families lost many loved ones in the Holocaust. By trade, Ofer is a solutions architect in a tech company, although right now he's juggling his almost full-time commitment to the Israeli cause in Australia. Afir Birenbaum, welcome to TNT Radio. Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here. Well, not under these circumstances, but thank you for giving me a That's okay. You've been very busy organising events for the Australian Jewish community. Is there some reticence from your people about turning out in public? Because we've heard some vile death threats from pro-Palestinian supporters, some that have ended in arrest, others that have not. But it must be daunting for Jewish people in Australia to be out there in public, knowing that some in their community feel that way about them. Absolutely. And we've seen it in our uh, the first protest we had in Sydney. People said, we don't do that here. We don't just go to the city having our Star of David out. That is ridiculous. It's almost crazy. And for me, as someone who grew up in Israel, I couldn't understand that. This is Australia. And... We want to change that. We should be able to be safe in our own cities, wearing our Star of David, either Yamaka or the Israeli flag. And we see businesses like, for example, Anita Gelato in Canberra or Shafa in Sydney. They've been vandalized and threatened just because of the owner's ethnicity. Yeah, it's not on. And I don't think there's a stra- there's there would be a single Australian who wants to have the kind of conflict between these two races repeated here in Australia. If I'd been living on Mars off here, uh, came down to Earth on October 6 and saw what had happened in Israel the next day, I simply wouldn't understand why, after such an atrocity, rallies began across the world castigating the victim nation. Try and explain that to me as an alien. As an alien that doesn't understand anything about the conflict, yeah, 
when you cherry pick your causes, when Muslim and Arabs are dying in the hundreds of thousands in other countries, and you pick Israel as the one to go and protest against, that means you have a certain hatred towards a certain ethnicities or group of people. That means that you're biased and racist and anti-Semite and anti-Semite. There is no other explanation why you would go and celebrate and protest the day after the biggest massacre since the Holocaust. No other way. Having said that, I think it's also understandable to feel very upset at the number of innocent Palestinians whose lives were taken in the bombing raid in the so-called operation to extract Hamas. Uh, to, to say that there were 14,000, let's just say that that's a lie and it's closer to nine or 10, you'd have to agree it's too many. Of course. None of us think that civilian casualties, especially Palestinian, is a good thing. And the idea that that is a military objective is ridiculous. What positive benefit would the IDF have from killing innocent lives? The fact that you asked me this question, that is a negative impact. The fact that people are rallying in the streets, the fact that governments are condemning Israel for their operation, that is a negative impact. It's put the that IDF is... offside with so many around the world, hasn't it? Absolutely. If we could win this war with zero civilian casualties, that will be the biggest victory. The fact that there is no other way it's just pragmatic reality yeah. and a necessary evil in the way of defeating another evil, just okay. like happened in Dresden in World War II. Yeah, and I know it's got nothing to do with you, so I won't uh, you know, keep uh, prosecuting the point, but it really has put people offside. When you hear and see some of the murderous and torturous acts of terror which occurred on October 7, I don't know how you feel, but I find it difficult to comprehend that the creatures who perpetrated those acts are actually human. Absolutely. People classifying Hamas as a terrorist organization, and it's almost sound too kind to call them a terrorist organization. Yeah. yeah. I, when I looked at these images and videos, what I see is bloodthirsty, ratchet demons. It's something beyond terror. It's something... I can't believe I'm saying this, but they make the Nazis look good. The Nazis didn't have any pleasure of doing what they did, most of them. They didn't take pride of what they did. It was a secret. On the other hand, Hamas publicly posted it. They streamed it live, yeah. and you can see the sheer glee in their eyes while they brag to their family of, of what they've done. This is bigger evil than... We're familiar with. Yeah. You met some of the families of those who lost loved ones or had them taken hostage in Canberra yesterday. What were what were they doing here and what had the biggest impact on you? Start with the biggest impact on me just because it popped into my head. Until now, for me, it was difficult to take uh, approximately 240 kidnapped from numbers, from pictures, from posters into real people real stories, real tragedies. And to look them in the eyes and just listen to them as they tell their story, it 
there was no one eye remained dry in the outside of Parliament House. It was absolutely unbelievable for um, Mika Shani, for example, 18-year-old girl talking how she was there with the Hamas terrorists and her mother had to let her brother go into Gaza because she knew if she'll protest further, they'll kill her in front of her daughters. Mm -hmm. And they were fortunate to escape. But imagine to make that choice, to let one of your kids go because you want to save the other ones. And is he it's, still a hostage? Yeah. He's one of the nine remaining children. He's 16. He celebrated his birthday in Gaza, possibly in Dam tunnels, wearing the same bloody clothes he wore on the 7th of October. Yeah. He hopefully will be released soon, I hope. But it's just unimaginable, unimaginable bravery just hearing his brother. Massive bravery. And what a decision to make as a mother. How, how do you possibly make that decision? The ceasefire has thankfully seen some of the hostages return, but there are still more in captivity than there are who've been released. Should the ceasefire continue until they're all released? I wish Israel is happy to, again, I'm not a formal, uh, not an official spokesperson for the government. Of course. But Israel is willing to continue that formula of 10 hostages per day until they're all back. The question you have to ask yourself, what is the objective of Hamas? What's What happens then? And Israel's objective is and will remain to eradicate Hamas because there is no other option. We tried ceasefire and it failed. And yeah. to try it again and again and again, expect another outcome. That's Einstein's definition of insanity. If you can take Hamas away from the Gaza Strip, and that includes underground, if you can take them away from the area, do you think there is some hope for the Middle East? There's always hope. If there wasn't hope, we wouldn't be here. Who is the responsible adult to control the territory? That's beyond my pay grade, I would say. I would call upon the international community, the Arab League, the UN, everyone that speaks against us. This is the fact. Israel does not want to control Gaza. We do not care about the territory. For us to control their military, we will be losing lives. We will be losing a lot of funds, our reservists. There is no positive outcome for anyone in Israel to control Gaza. This is not a desirable outcome for any Israelis. No. We would hope that an international body, a community, cooperation of all sides involved will be able to aid us to control this area hopefully for a peaceful future. They one had that in 2005 we, when we left. Yeah. One last question. Um, this Sunday, Israeli families and Palestinian families are gathering together in central London to form a link and support each other and pray together for those who have been killed or injured in this war. Do you think that that could possibly happen in Australia? I wish. I'm I'm here publicly stating I will organize it on our side. Just attend. We are always 
happy to have a dialogue. We are always happy to talk and always happy to disagree at times. There is That is the only solution to show people publicly that we can talk. We can be understand each other's pain. We can say that any loss is absolutely horrendous. And I wish we can organize something here. You would be prepared to have talks behind the scenes with the organizers of the pro-Palestinian rallies about that? I will be able to have talks with everyone, 100%, which from any party, from any background, I do not discriminate any person because of the organization they're from or their uh, political opinion. Beyond that, I am actively seeking to talk with people who disagree with me because that's how you get to peace, talking exhaustively with people who disagree with you. Yeah, instead of speaking to the converted, I understand exactly what you mean. Off here, Biram Bum, thank you so much for your precious time. I'll let you get back to organising the next gathering, the next event. You're doing a great job. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. No problem. Off here, Biram Bum who's been organising and is an architect of sorts, not only in the tech world, but also in terms of these rallies and these vigils that are being held for the Jewish community in Australia. But wouldn't it be good if we could replicate what is about to go on in London, central London on Sunday, and have Palestinian and Israeli families together in peace, praying for those who've been the victims of this war and victims too of the terrorist attack that ignited that war. We can only hope. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. The biggest weather news is what is about to happen in Europe. I saw another one of those pictures of Greta Thunberg protesting today. I guess today is like week 300 or something of the climate strike where kids are allowed to be truant and, uh, you know, to protest climate. But she was all bundled up and I was like, well, wait a minute. Looks awfully cold over there. And uh, were there fossil fuels used in the making of those clothes that you have on? But I want to get serious about this. The fact that we are getting such a cold blast that is coming in and this was telegraphed with those big storms and the reason you see what's going on in the weather today is because all the weathermen start screaming and yelling about climate change instead of understanding the same thing happened in 2009 and they went into the deep freeze over there. But it's a serious situation. You know why? Well, first of all, the implications of that is that the United States is going to get very cold. Now, it's cold right now, but I'm talking about what could be really cold weather, severe cold, in the month of January. Because there's probably going to be a lot of snow in the United States during the month of December, especially after the 20th. So what we saw in 2009, 2010 was Europe got it in 2009 in December. And then the U.S. had their famous Snowmageddon. And that occurred later in January and February. It'd be a little bit earlier this year, probably, looking at the overall pattern. But think about this. You're going to get that grid in Europe tested now, especially Germany. Germany looks like ground zero for the worst weather. With most snow, it's going to be a little bit colder relative to averages up where Greta lives. But Germany is going to be in bad shape here in the next 10 to 20 days. But again, then you have to worry about the rest of the winter. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to have some things push come to shove, so to speak, coming up here over the next couple of weeks. And in fact, the next couple of months, because unlike last winter, 
don't think this is backing off this year. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. One in four Australian women experience domestic violence in their lifetime. Staying is dangerous, but leaving can mean homelessness for them and their children. With your generosity, the Salvos can provide crisis services and ongoing support, helping women find a way out of violence and a way back into a safe and stable life. Help us leave no one in need. Please donate to the Red Shield Appeal today. You're with Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I love it when people send me messages from some far-flung corner of the globe and say, this is what the weather's doing. I don't know why I get excited by that, but I've had a few um, reports from various parts of Queensland, like a little place called Esk, E-S-K, Esk. Can you get a name of any place in the world that has fewer letters than three? I don't think you can. Maybe you'd, you'd like to tell me, but Esk is about a, an hour and a half northwest of Brisbane, not far away from Brisbane in Queensland. Big storm about to hit here, says Tim. Thank you, Tim. Much appreciated. Um, now, from techadvice.life, I've got the one and only Alex Zaharoff Royt, who has got a house full of information for us on the cyber and technological world. Welcome back to TNT Radio, Alex. Good afternoon, Smithy. And yes, there is one place in the uh, cyber world that uh, is shorter than S, and that is X. X, of course, <laughs> one letter. <laughs> yeah, that beats S. That beats S yeah. by two letters. I'm with you. Now, police around the world are issuing warnings on Facebook over Apple's new name drop feature, and they're telling people to turn it off. What is the drama? This is very unlike Apple. They're very security conscious. That's right. Yeah, look, people are warning that if you grab your phone and you hold it next to another phone and both of them are running iOS 17, that then somehow this information can be sucked off uh, without any knowledge on your part and transferred to the other person. Now, NameDrop does actually work in that way. If you hold your phone next to another phone, uh, you know, very it has to be very close. If the phone is unlocked, so it can't just be in your pocket or in a uh, purse or your briefcase, and you've got Bluetooth and Wi-Fi on, although most people have that, then you'll see this cool animation and this very cool sound. And then you'll see on both phones that you can have a, a the contact can be shared, but you need to authorize the sharing of that contact. And you uh, also then need to uh, say which information you want to have shared. So your Well, that's not a security danger. That's a beat up. Not at all. That's right. It's just a beat up. Look, people love to have uh, bad stories about Apple or bad stories about anything. I mean, you know, the, the man bites dog or dog bites man story is much, you know, more suited to the front page than the fluffy puppy story, which is normally the one at the end of the news bulletin. So it's just a beat up. You don't have to worry about it. I do have the video on my website of how name drop works. And if you do wish to turn it off, it's just a couple of clicks away. It's very easy to do, but I'd leave it on. It's such a cool feature. You can also use your watch and, and you know, just holding your phone next to one of the phone and you get this cool animation and bang, the contact is shared. It's it's very cool. Okay. Microsoft makes its Copilot AI free to use on the web and will soon bring GPT-4 Turbo. I've never heard of that to users as well. Tell us about these turbocharged technological advancements. Sure. So Microsoft, as we know, has invested over $10 billion in ChatGPT, and they've been uh, using the ChatGPT, the Bing AI chat, 
in the Edge browser as a way to get you to stop using Google, to stop using Chrome, and to use Edge. And also they've built it into Windows 11. They're build it, building it into Windows 10. We've spoken about that. Well, now you can go to Copilot dot microsoft.com and you can use their version of chat gpt for free now you do need to have a free microsoft account which is hotmail or outlook or if you use an email address to log into windows you can do that uh, so it's it's it doesn't cost you anything and microsoft is basically giving you chat gpt4 for free now if you go to the chat gpt website to use the one from OpenAI, that will give you chat gpt3 0.5 for free and that's using 175 billion parameters inside of its large language model so that's sort of its brain chat gpt4 has a trillion bits of information inside so it's faster it's more accurate less prone to hallucination and there's now something called chat gpt4 turbo which uh, is even faster has even more information and can accept up to 300 pages worth of information in a single prompt and microsoft will be bringing this to its Copilot, they've stopped calling it Bing Chat. They're now calling it Copilot. So they're bringing that to Copilot later this year, potentially early next year. So whether you're willing to pay for ChatGPT and get the ChatGPT for from them, which will cost you twenty bucks US a month, or you get it for free from Microsoft, um, you know the better versions of it are coming, and this isn't going to stop. You know, each and every time they upgrade the AI technology. They've got to come up with some kind of descriptive word for it. They've got turbo going here. So when turbo is superseded, they've got to come up with another one. This is going to drive them nuts. Well, the next one is already ChatGPT5. So OpenAI is already working on this. And, you know, this is on the road to this thing called artificial general intelligence or AGI when you have a computer that's effectively conscious and smarter than humans. We're not there yet. That was one of the reasons why uh, Sam Altman could have been sacked and then restored because the board was concerned that he wasn't telling the truth about what discoveries he'd, he'd found. But we're definitely going to get there one day. We're going to have computers that are smarter than humans, and uh, it's just a matter of time. So, oh. yeah, they'll have to ask ChatGPT what to call the next version. They'll ask AI's help. <laughs> yeah, that's what they will do. <laughs> You're exactly right. It's not a headache at all. Uh, yeah. It's National Scams Awareness Week in Australia. So how much money have Australians already lost, and what are the most common scams that are circulating at the moment? Sure. Well, up to this month, there's been over 81,000 reports. Over $92 million has already been stolen from Australians. And uh, you've got things like um, uh, scam messages from postal services or government departments or couriers. Uh, and you've got uh, the bank impersonation scams and uh, the, the emails that are just coming through trying to trick you into going to a website and typing in your usernames and passwords. And effectively, these scams just going to keep on coming. And the government is telling you to stop and think. You know, they're saying who's really there. You should independently check any information that you're given uh, by contacting the company directly. Look for their phone number, their website. Don't click on any links or use any numbers that have been emailed to you or texted to you. It's okay to you know ignore these messages, to to delete them, to keep on scrolling. And if you're on the phone with somebody, you, you know, don't be afraid to tell them. Listen, I have to ring the company itself. Sorry, I've got to go by. Even if you don't call them back. Um, even if you don't do anything at all. I mean, most of the time, these things are scams and bank impersonation scams are the ones that are the, the most, um, you know, people are getting the biggest losses. There are ads on Australian radio from people saying, I, I was fooled. I got a, a text message saying someone's trying to hack my account. You've got to transfer your money here. They rang them. It was the scammers. They lost their money and it's very hard to get it back. So scams awareness week, go to scamwatch.gov.au. And if you've got a tech advice.life, I've got links there and also the government's video on how to 
um, be able to tell what's a scam and what isn't. Fantastic, because people, unless they've been through the process, don't know how believable and sophisticated these people at the other end of the phone are. They sound like as if they could be working for the local vacuum cleaner company. They are friendly. They are helpful. They are sympathetic. They have pathos, but they're crooks. And you do not know that they could possibly be a crook. So be very, very careful. Now, with the Australian government reviewing its unfair trading laws, Australian consumer advocacy groups are calling for strong new fairness laws to close gaps in Australian consumer law. I think most Australians believe that businesses are already required to treat customers fairly, don't you think? Well, you would think so, but but incredibly, that's not the case. Seven in ten people think that the uh, you know, businesses are required to treat you fairly, but they're not. And uh, the research from uh, Choice Magazine and other consumer groups said that six well, sixty nine percent of people mistakenly believe Australian businesses will face penalties if they've been found to have un. Uh, acted unfairly, which is not the case. 89% said businesses charging you higher prices for a product or service based on the personal information they collected about you online is unfair. 90% said businesses make it difficult for you to cancel or your online subscription to a product or service you no longer want, and that's unfair. And 84% said businesses selling extended warranties that don't cover you for anything in addition to what's available under the existing Australian consumer law is, un is unfair. And often your existing consumer laws will protect you even beyond the stated one or two year manufacturer's warranty and uh, you know, choice and these other consumer advocacy groups want the government to make these laws clearer and to to stop them from being so unfair. Yeah. I want to skip a couple of topics, if I may, because we're running out of time. But Apple is extending its emergency satellite SOS service for iPhone 14 users. What's the deal, Alex? Well, last year, when you got an iPhone 14, you were, you were getting two years free emergency satellite SOS service. And already that saved uh, people from around the, the world. The service is available in 16 different countries. And if you can't get a signal to your mobile phone service you know, in the past, you were up the creek without a paddle. You couldn't get yeah. uh, through to anybody. <laughs> but now, as long as you are in line of sight of the sky, you can hold your phone up. And there's a video at, at my site that shows how this works. And you, I've, there's a test as well. I've tested it. It works. And you, you can see the satellite. You've got to hold it for a couple of minutes, but you will get through and you can send a message and send your location and get emergency service out to you. And so Apple's extending this for one extra year for iPhone 14 users. So if you bought your iPhone 14 last year, which is when most people did, or you bought it any time before November 15 this year, you'll get an extra year of service for free. And uh, for existing iPhone 15 users, well, they would have just purchased their phones, they'll get the two years. And in America, you also get uh, emergency roadside assistance if, again, you're outside of the mobile phone range. So this is something Brilliant. that Android... Android people have tried to copy, uh, but they have, no one's been able to do it yet. So it's a great reason to buy an iPhone, especially if you travel a lot outside of areas where there's mobile reception. Yeah, it's the Android um, a thorn in the side. They've got to get up to speed on this. Hey, Tesla's Elon Musk is reporting the long-awaited Cybertruck is ready for delivery starting tomorrow. This sounds very next-gen. Yes, look, already you've been able to go online and see a bunch of different sneak peeks. You know, people have spotted the Cybertruck all over the place. But uh, finally, according to Elon Musk, uh, deliveries are starting tomorrow. That's Thursday 
in uh, the US. So, uh, you know, but in any case, the, at the tweet that um, Elon Musk had posted, there's, a, there's an internet guy called Greg with a very funny looking face. He's sort of very popular, makes all these funny comments. And he put down source, S-O-U-R-C-E, question mark, because a lot of people on the internet, when someone makes a claim and they don't put the source down, they will, they will ask for the source. And it's sort of like an ironic thing. Yeah, and yeah. for Greg to put that down, asking Elon Musk for the source <laughs> of this claim was very, very funny. Uh, very funny indeed. The cyber truck. I'm so curious now. I've got to find images of the cyber truck. Can I see it on your website? Uh, look, I haven't put it there, but I will. And but if you just type cyber truck in, you'll notice that it has a very sort of triangular design, very angular design. So yes, I will definitely put something up there right now for anyone that wants to have a look. But just type cyber truck into Google, and it's there. Okay, fantastic. And they can follow all of those topics and all of those issues we spoke about. Plus a whole heap more that we didn't get to today by going to your website, techadvice.life. We love it. Thank you, Alex. Thanks so much, Chris. See you next week. Bye-bye. Alex Zaharoff-Royd, who we have on each and every Wednesday. I've run out of time, but I can tell you that after I hand over to the newsroom, you will hear Dean Macken return to the airwaves. Looking forward to that. Followed by Lembit Opic and then the ungrateful but extremely effective Katie Hopkins.